All right. Hey, we're going to jump into today's message. Uh, we're in a series through the month of August going through Psalms 23. Um, Psalms 23 is one of my favorite psalms in the scriptures. It's a great prayer. And uh, unfortunately, we hear it the most during uh, funerals. That's usually when we hear it, right? But don't, make no mistake, Psalms 23 is not about death. It is about life. It's about living. And I love the fact that David, he's writing this most likely in probably the darkest season of his life. And he's writing it from perspective of saying, if you want to know who God is and you want to know God's nature, let me tell you. And he goes to this whole psalm. And so really Psalms 23, I don't think I have this. Is it on? I'll, I'll go to the, the – there we go. It's coming up. So Psalms 23 is a season of anxiety and unknown. Really, that's what it's written for. Right? So David was in a season of anxiety and unknown. The last few months, I don't know about you, they had a little anxiety, maybe a little unknown, maybe a little frustration, maybe a little whatever's going on. Psalms 23 is for us because he's really saying if you guys want to know how, how to face these situations – Learn to be able to trust God in this, and he gives us God's nature and God's character. So really, we can say Psalms 23 is really to help us have strength in the midst of struggle. If you're struggling, if you're weak, if you're frustrated, Psalms 23 is a place to help us know how to have strength in the middle of struggle. So we're going we're gonna to read it together. In fact, I would love for you guys to read it with me, all right? Um, we're going to go through Psalms 23. We're going to do the New Living Translation. I've memorized it in the New King James because that's just growing up. That's what I, I heard. So when I, when I pray it, it's usually in the King James. That's the, the, the translation I just is, is stuck in my, my heart because that's what I learned first. But we'll read the New Living tra- Translation together because I like how it phrases it. All right, here, let's go together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23, what I love about David and I love about Scripture is God has given us all these details. And when you really dig in any, any part of Scripture, you're gonna, the more you study it, the more you learn about it, the more you realize that it's amazing the information that's right in front of you. But you just bypass it, right? We just kind of hear it, maybe even memorize it and forget about it. And so throughout the Scripture, at, this po- at the point that we've already gone through the first uh, three verses, and we'll continue the third verse today, He's mentioned five characteristics of God's nature, all right? And these are the five different names. So the first name was God our shepherd. It's one of the major names of God. So it's Jehovah, and they add the second part. It's, a, it's a, a, um, the names that they would use in the Old Testament for God. Uh, God our provider would be Jehovah Jireh. God our peace, Jehovah Shalom, right? And then God our healer, uh, and that was last week. And then this, this week in verse 3, what we're going to talk about, it's God our righteousness, and so David is writing from this perspective of saying, if you want to know God, who he is, in the middle of struggle, middle of all these challenges, here's God's nature. And he begins to unfold it for us. And also what I love about Scripture is what we built our church around. There's these four promises and things that God wants to do in our life, right? The first thing is he wants us to know him. It's always about relationship. The second thing is he wants us to find freedom. He always wants us to find freedom. Um, what's interesting, so in the, in the people of Israel were in slavery. He freed them from Egypt. And then they began to go into the promised land. And, and in the statement he makes, he says, I'm going to now help you to be free people. And you would think, well, aren't they already free? They left slavery. Aren't they free? Well, yes, physically they were free, but mentally, emotionally, their, their habits, they were still thinking like slaves. That's why they kept saying it would be better to go back. 
because they were stuck in these habits and routines uh, of, of, of what they was comfortable to them. And so he's always wants us to find freedom. And then finally, he wants us to discover, discover purpose and make a difference. So today we're going to talk about the next, next parts of that. Discovering purpose means uh, that we find God's plans for our lives, right? Um, I, I showed a picture of a sheep here. I think it's a pretty good-looking sheep. It's pretty cute. Um, they're cute animals, but they're very dumb, right? They're dumb. There, there's a reason that there's not a professional team that says the sheeps, right? They're not. They're not. They're the most harmless animals. They're some of the stupidest animals. There's a reason, like they're not your mascots for teams, right? Just so you know, they pick like these ferocious things that like intimidate others. These don't, all right? In fact, without outside intervention, they will get themselves in trouble to the point of death, right? Uh, they'll, 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 because they can't take care of themselves and their, their, their wool grows, right? If, if they don't, not cared for, um, they will die. They will have a, a horrible life. They need somebody else. So it's interesting that, it, that Isaiah says this. All of us, like sheep, right, have gone away, have strayed away and left God's path to follow our own. So our scriptures, 200 times, guess what kind of, animal that he compares humans to sheep 200 times he compares us to it why because we're the same way you know there's this 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 tendency to wander and do our own thing without outside intervention we make it about ourselves and we tend to want it if you look at a kid right without outside support without good adult supervision without parenting they will eventually become mm, horrible people right because they don't learn discipline they don't learn how to act correctly in, in 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 school in society and eventually, that's what they say, um, they're, they're corrupted, their character is corrupted, right, spoiled. It actually means they're, they're, they haven't developed the right character. It's been spoiled. Their character has been spoiled. They haven't learned what it means to, to live. And so when it comes to our lives, God is saying don't be – sometimes we're like sheep, but if you're going to be cared for, make sure you have the right shepherd. If you have the right shepherd, you'll be cared for, but he'll help us on this journey. So today, if you missed the last couple weeks, you can go to our website. You can go uh, podcast. You can learn, hear the last messages. Today we're going to focus on that, the second part of that third verse, all right? It is so good. He says this, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name, right? So he guides me upon paths of righteousness for his namesake, as another translation says. And he says it's saying that he guides us along right paths, bringing honor to his name for his namesake. What's interesting about God, if you ever want to know like who God is, so David's given us some insight. But if you read through the scripture, you're going to see over and over God interacting with humans, right, with people. And essentially, the Bible is his resume, of how God responds. You want to know if God's faithful? Look at scriptures. He was faithful to Moses. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to David. And essentially what's happening is when you see that God is leading somebody and they submit their life and they surrender and they say, I'm going to follow your lead, we see the outcomes, right? And it's why David in the darkest season can write this psalm saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Even though everything's falling apart, even though things are going the way, the opposite way of what I want to go, he's going to take care of me. He's my shepherd. He's my Lord. And he writes about the characteristics of God. Why? Because he's saying God is faithful. And when I had it really good, he was good. And when it's not going so well, he's still good. Why is that? Because God leads us on paths, on the right paths for his namesake. He wants, pe- he wants people to see our lives working and say, what's working about your life? And then we're able to say, well, I trust God. I follow Jesus' way. And it points back to God. It brings honor to God. It brings glory to God. And it proves what he's been saying this whole time. His way works. He's so confident. And he says, there's two paths in front of you, right? There's two options. One's going to lead to life. One's going to lead to death. And Jesus says, I have come to give you life, right? Enemy comes to still. And so he gives us these options of how to do it. Um, this, this idea of he guides me along right paths, it actually means like these well-worn paths or like these, these, um, these ruts or these, 
um, like, like a trail, right? So we went hiking a couple weeks ago. And we're trying to find this really nice place in the Hamas where you go and you could cliff jump and this, this is nice, nice uh, waterfalls and things like that. So we're out there hiking, and um, I'd never been there before. My wife had been there once. Um, but the good thing was there was this really well-worn path, a trail, right? And so the whole time we're walking, I was not ever worried about being lost. Why? Because there was a very obvious trail that was leading somewhere. And because somebody has said, hey, there's something really good at the end of this, just, just endure, go for a while. I had confidence to know when I wake up tomorrow, I'm not going to be in the middle of the woods lost, right? Because there was a well-worn path. So when David says he guides me along right paths, he's saying there is these well-worn paths that have proven themselves over and over. And if you go on them, you'll find the right way to live. So he's talking about righteousness. And this idea of God, our righteousness, he's showing us the way to live. He's modeling for us. He's giving us the, 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 the direction. And really being a Jesus follower is about action. It's about direction of how we're walking. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. It's in his Sermon on the Mount, right? He gives us this long sermon, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And he's, he's talking to this sermon. He says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate. In his teaching, kind of as the teaching is going through, he says, hey, guys, just so you know, make sure you go through the narrow gate. Like, like there's going to be these different options in life. Go through the narrow gate. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So there's going to be one way that the gate is, is, is wide, wide and the road is really, really wide, right? It's broad, but that's going to lead through, through, uh, to destruction. He says, many, many, many enter through that gate. But he says, you guys need to be thinking about how your life is going to end. Be thinking down the road. He says, the small gate is narrow and that road leads to life, but only a few find it. So Jesus is saying there's two ways. Most people pick the easy way, the comfortable way, what goes what, what, to, to go with the flow. He says we need to be kind of people that go through the narrow gate, the, 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 the small, narrow path. That's going to lead to life. And then eventually Jesus says, you know, I am that gate. I am the way. I am that path. And he says if you want to know what it means to follow God, if you want to know what the path looks like, follow me. And that's what he invites us into. That's why I love being a, what, what it means to be a Jesus follower, be a Christian is I'm saying, God, I want to walk the path that you have for us. I want to walk down that, that road. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 16 says this. Um, There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads in death. So many people think, like, hey, I'm going to go this way because it feels good, it feels right. He says, hey, be careful with those ones. When the, the, the road is easy, when, when, it's, when everybody's doing it, like, you should really ask the question, is this really what God has for me? Is this the right, the right way? This is like in Jesus' prayer. So, this is a great book. If you ever maybe some depression, you're struggling with anxiety, it's called 21 minute, 21 seconds to change your life, change your world. Uh, it's, a, it's a pastor who wrote it, and he in his darkest season, um, he went to Psalms 23 and he went to the Lord's Prayer, and he said it's interesting how they match, almost match up. Everything David writes about is what Jesus' prayer is about, the Lord's Prayer, right? And if you look through it over and over, they, they they're they're pointing to the same ideas, just different perspectives. And one of the things that Jesus tells us to pray is lead us not into temptation, right? So when we're on this right path that's, that God is leading us on, essentially we're saying, God, don't lead me somewhere that I can, I'm going to fail. Don't, don't take me to places that I know I can't pass the test. And he invites us into that, right? He says, um, he sets this one before us. But there's other scriptures that, D- that David says, he says, Psalms 119, he says, your word is a lamp, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So he says, when God's word, our Bible, the, the, the scriptures that we have, it's lighting the way we're going. We don't know. And if you know anything about, like, you know, when, if you're walking in the dark, you have a little lamp, it's not going to light up the whole path for you. It's going to just light up a few feet in front of you. And a lot of times our journey is like that. God is saying, just go this way. Just trust me on this journey. It's a well-worn path. We just keep one foot after the other, keep moving in that 
direction. And he's saying, just, just, just trust me. It's, it's going to light and, and guide your path. And then Paul, in the New Testament, Paul is, is talking to us about how to live our life, right? And he's talking to the Romans, how there's one perspective and how the world begins to catch on this. But it, it's a downward spiral, Paul says in Romans 1, that always leads away from God, where we become God, and we, we push God out of it. And really what he's talking about is we call it freedom, but it's really license. And this is the struggle a lot of us in culture have, is we want license to do anything we want to do without any consequences. But you know, everything we choose to do always has some kind of result, some kind of consequence. Some of those are positive. Many of them are negative. And too much of our culture, there's a disconnect from what we do and what we receive. And we think, I can do whatever I want and still receive whatever I want. Nope, that's a lie from the enemy. You cannot receive anything you want. There will always be some kind of consequence that comes with it. And that's where, where David is saying, or, or the, 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 the writer of Proverbs is saying, there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads in destruction. And that's one of those mindsets that we have in culture is, I want to be able to do anything I want to do. You've got to say, no, no, it's not that way. So Paul in Romans, he's saying, don't just go with the flow. In fact, he says it like this, Romans 12, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't just fit in. Don't just go with the flow, right? Um, when it comes to a river, there's only one thing that can go upstream. You know what that is? A living thing. Everything else floats. Every dead thing floats. A dead fish cannot swim upstream. It'll float down with the stream. You throw a, a, a rock, uh, not a rock, a, a wood, a piece of a bark in the, in the uh, water, it's going to go with the flow, right? That flow is like culture. A lot of times it's just, just go with wherever it's taking you. But dead things float. Only living things can stream up, swim upstream. God calls us to be those kind of people, that we will swim upstream. And, and swim upstream means you have to work. It's going to take work. And this is what Paul's saying. Don't just be conformed. Don't just go with the flow, but learn what God has for you, right? Let God transform the way you think. And he says if you do this, notice the, what the, the next part that comes with it. He says that you may know God's will for your life, right? You may know and approve what God's will of God is, what is good and acceptable and even perfect. When we swim upstream, when we allow God to lead us, when we work, when we let God transform our thinking, we actually discover what he has for our lives. Here's the thing. That takes work. And everybody says, I don't want to do work. I want to just rest and, you know, go on vacation. And God is saying, well, that's not what life's about, right? That's not, that's not how, how it is. God it designed us to work. He designed us to, to pursue something, to move forward. And whenever we just go with the flow, we will find ourselves dead relationally, emotionally, financially, if you just go with the flow and buy whatever you want to buy, eventually, financially, you will be depleted, right? You'll run out of resources. So you have to learn to save and learn to, to budget and learn to plan for the future. Same with relationships. You don't just do whatever you want to do. How many of you guys love hanging out with selfish people? Anybody? They just suck the life from you? Like a vampire just sucks life? Like you, you know when you meet them, they're going to just talk your, for two hours. They're not going to ask you anything about your life. They're just going to pour everything out on you. You guys love those people? We avoid those people, Right? How many of life love life-giving people? Anybody? You, you, you know when you get there, you're going to leave that conversation and be like, man, they care for me? Like, they asked me questions. They were, we all desire those people, right? Too many of us choose to be the, the, the suckers in life, right? The vampires and suck from life. God is saying, be life-giving people. Learn, learn to follow what God wants us to do. He's saying it, but it starts with our mind. We can say it like this. So if he guides us on path of righteousness, what are paths of righteousness, right? Well, righteousness easy way to summarize it is it's right living. One, one pastor says it's right thinking because right thinking leads to right living, right? Right living always starts with right thinking. So if you want your life to go well, you have to, it has to start up here in our minds. 
during COVID, this has shown a lot of people really how healthy they are mentally, uh, relationally, uh, emotionally. Because when you're locked up, when you're not being able to help people, if you're isolating yourself, very quickly there's things inside of you that you start thinking thoughts. And sometimes they're not very healthy. And Paul is saying, don't, don't do that. Let God transform the way you think, right, by renewing your mind so you can discover what he has. Well, how do we do that? If we're going to we'll go on this, this path of righteousness, if we're going to walk with God, one, notice that he's leading us and guiding us. He doesn't have the whip out. He's not a taskmaster that's, that's forcing us to do something. He's guiding us. He's saying, here's the way to go. Walk in it. Here's the way of peace. Follow it. Let me lead you on this journey. He's wanting us to go that way. But he's saying it starts right here with our thought process. And Paul is saying, let God renew your mind. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just go with their cultures. Let God begin to help transform your thinking, right? Here's why. Because our lives, they go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The same way that, that current, that river is going strong, right? If that's your thought life and it's a negative thought life, guess where your life is going to be going? In the dire- direction of negativity and unhealthiness. But if your, your thought life is strong and healthy and it's going, it's going, if you're swimming upstream, if you're going in a different direction, your life's going to follow that pattern. Whatever we choose to think about and whatever we choose to let God, allow God to lead us in that direction, that's where our life is going to go. This is why throughout Scripture, thinking is so, so, so important. In the Old Testament, there's just a word that says to repent. And repent means a change of heart in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the same word has the same idea, but it doesn't start with our heart. It actually starts with our thoughts. To repent means we have a change of thought. So you've been thinking one way about something. God says, you need to let me transform how you're thinking so you can have a new thought, a different thought, a better thought, my thoughts. And when we, when we follow God, we're actually saying we're not going to go our way. We're going to go your way. This repentance means instead of going what we're, the way we wanted to go, we go the way God wants us to go. And then we begin to find that, that path, that well-worn path, and we begin to find these things. Because our lives always follow the direction of our strongest thoughts. In marriage, you wake up, whatever you think about your spouse, right? Whatever you think about your kids, whatever you think about your job, your strongest thoughts is how you're going to approach that person or that job. So if your thoughts are negative, you're going to approach it with a negative perspective and outlook. God is saying, learn to change the way you think about people, about things, about life. Let, let it become um, where you are, you're, you're hearing what I'm asking and you're following that. So um, every September, our church participates in this long bike ride. We go 500 miles across the state, right? And so this is year nine. Uh, this year I'm excited. We have some new riders from Santa Fe that are riding with us and um, about a third of all of the, the riders, the 27 riders or so, are from Santa Fe and from our church. It's pretty exciting. Um, and every year we, we raise money, right? It's, it's a fundraiser to raise money to help. This year it's clean well water, to build uh, wells in Africa for clean water. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And every year we do this, right? And, and um, for the last, I don't know how many years, 15 years or so, I've just decided that there's going to be one thing every year that I'll just give myself to, to, to put into that will go away from me. And so years ago, it was, it was worth working with an organization that builds clean waters wells in, in parts of the world that are really poor that, that lack those resources. And I was a part of that. And you get to see, like, the progress of these wells that are being made. And uh, for our family, part of it is, is sponsoring kids, things like that. And we just said, we've always said, we're going to do something every year that's just outside of us. Has, I'm not going to get any benefit from it. It's going to go away from me. And so for the last nine years, we've been riding. And uh, this year, uh, my son is going to be one of our riders, right? It was pretty exciting. It's cool. He's going to ride 100 miles out of the five. You pick one of the days. Um, his goal is $1,000. And what's really amazing is for tw- every $20, uh, one person will have clean water for a lifetime. And so that's like how the, how the numbers have, have worked out. It's pretty awesome. 
So from this ride, we're hoping to build three water wells um, in Africa and uh, so much-needed areas. And so we're training, right? So we're on this bike ride. And if, if you know, when it comes to cycling and, and 500 miles, uh, 100 miles a day is a lot of work. You do five of those in a row, it's a, it's a lot of work. It depletes your energy, all this stuff. So you're training for it because you don't just show up unready. You want to be prepared. And so my son and I were training, and uh, some of the other riders are training, and we're on this ride. And um, my son, is he's building up that endurance, right, because he's never done these long rides like this before. So we're, we're starting with shorter rides, and we add a little more miles. And every time you add some mileage, like your body just starts freaking out a little bit, right? It gets a little tired, gets a little cranky, gets a little you – know, your butt starts hurting, right? And so we're on this bike ride, and um, he's like, Dad, I, I think I, I want to I call it quits. Like I just I, – I, I, I think I'm, I'm – I'm, you know, I think it's, it, this is too far. We've got too much. And so we're in this process. I'm thinking like part of me as a dad's like, you know what? I want to just like say, yeah, you, you know what? Let's just call mom. I'll pick you up, and I'll just keep going. The other part of me is like, no, like you have to like push through. This is part of training. This is the purpose of it. So instead of being like, you just got to do this, you know, like being like harsh, I just said, Joaquin. So what we've rode so far, there are women and kids in Africa. That's how far they have to walk just for clean water. So we've rode a long way. And they have to, this is the way they have to walk. They spend most of their day just trying to get clean water for their family. That's like a big chunk of their day, right? So I'm telling him, so what you've rode, that's what they experience walking. This is why we ride. So they don't have to walk. They can have water in their village, right? And so we're, walk, we're talking through like why we're doing this. Because I don't forget... We're not just suffering a suffer. We're not just pushing our bodies just to punish them. It's a purpose, right? And so I'm telling him, Joaquin, there's going to be this cool thing. His goal is $1,000. And so at the end of the, he's halfway there, which is pretty awesome. I said, Joaquin, if you raise your 1000 you know how many people that you're going to serve? That's 50 people, individuals, that you're going to serve for a lifetime that will have clean water. They don't have to walk the 20, 15, 30 miles away so they can get water. They'll have it in their village. Isn't that awesome? And so we're talking through this. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, inspire him, right, and – and uh, what's really interesting is the part he wanted to give up was the hardest part. Like we climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed. Well, you know, when you climb a lot, eventually what comes is a really nice downhill. So we, we were almost to the tip of where we were climbing, and, and I knew it was, was going to get easier. So I'm like, just stick in there. So we go a little more, and then all of a sudden now the way home is pretty much all downhill, which is really nice, right? Because then you're just like, I can't say just downhill. We had wind and stuff, but it was easier. And when he finished the training ride, he was, I think, for, for me, I was one, I was excited. Like, he stuck in there. He, he didn't give up. But for him, I believe it was something that's preparing his mind to say, you have more in you than you think. You can go further than you think. When it gets hard, you don't stop. You keep going. And this is what Scripture is trying to do. This is what, what Paul, this is what David, this is what Jesus is trying to help us to do. In life, when it gets hard, he's saying, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your finances. Don't give up on your neighbors or your life. You have more in you than you think. Like, don't stop. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because a little sacrifice now will have a bigger payoff then. A little uphill now, eventually have some downhill then. But you know what the problem is? All of us want the downhill with no uphill. So we spend all our money, and we're hoping, like, somehow, all of a sudden, it'll just miraculously appear, right? The government's going to give us all this money, whatever. It doesn't only work that way. It's our work now that we put in that one day we can enjoy more of that. And a lot of times, the enjoyment... It isn't even for ourselves. It's for others. It's to help others. It's to use our lives to be a blessing. And when we live that way, that is the best way you could possibly live your life. That's why Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. I'll teach you these ways. My ways, my, the rhythms that I give you, they're life-giving. They're, they're, there's peace that comes with it. There's enjoyment. There's healthy relationships. So remember, our lives go in the, strongest, the, the direction of our strongest thoughts. So in, in your life, 
during this season, wherever your thoughts were, that's pretty much where your emotions go. That's pretty much where your actions go, right? Because you're letting your thoughts lead the way. I guess maybe through the training and through what we're doing, I, I would say maybe to, to you guys, to even to my son, to myself, is we have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. Like there's a season where it's not fun, but just push through, stick with it, don't give up, because there'll be a good payoff at the end if you don't give up, if you don't stop, right? Because here's the problem. We all make excuses, and we all want to tell ourselves why we can't do something now. You know, we'll do that then. We'll start doing that later. And we push it off and push it off. And here's the problem with a good excuse. And a lot of times we have good excuses to do it. The problem with a good excuse is they're the worst excuse because they're the ones we start believing because we've told ourselves so much. And the reason we start believing it is because we start thinking it. It's like, it's like a lie. If somebody ever, ever has somebody told a lie after a while, that lie almost seems like it's truth because they've told it so much. And they start believing it themselves even though it's a lie. We do this to ourselves. We deceive ourselves sometimes because we're saying it's about comfort. It's about what I want right now is what, what's easy. And David is saying, hey, our shepherd, he guides us on the right paths, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And when we go through this process, it works. People see our lives and they say there's something different about you. When I follow God's way, my life works. And when I follow my own way, it breaks down pretty quickly. When I do my own things, I mess up. When I follow God's way, I have healthy relationships. I have healthier marriage. I have healthier kids healthier finances, because I'm trusting his way. And it doesn't just work for me, it works for others. It's universal, right? God is saying, there's the principles, it's going to work for everybody. Um, so don't, don't, don't avoid the hard things, don't avoid the uncomfortable things, just because they are. You, you push in, you say, I'm going I'm to do what I need to do now, so I can have the benefits that God wants for me. Right? Don't be the things that just go with the flow, that just float. Because if you are, it's most likely you're dying in those relationships, you're dying in whatever area of your life. Learn to begin to say, I'm going to swim upstream. I'm going to, I'm going to go against what's popular. Paul says like this. He says, if you want to know how to renew your mind, he says, I take captive the thoughts, and I make them obedient to Christ. How do you do that? Well, when you have a thought, you have to actually recognize that thought, right? Okay, whoa, that's a thought. That's not a healthy thought. God, what do you think about this thought? What do I need to do with this thought? In fact, here's my challenge for today. When it comes to Psalms 23, ask God Psalms 23. Would you ask him? You know, we, have you, the last couple of weeks, had you memorize it? Had you pray it? Had you speak it out loud? Well, this week, would you use it as a conversation with God? So the Lord is my shepherd. God, are you really my shepherd? And he might say, no, you're like one of those sheep that wandered off. Or he might say, yes, you're letting me lead you this week. And you're doing a good job. But here's some areas you can get better at. So are you my shepherd? Right? The Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. God, am I content with what you've given me? And this is a conversation you have with God. This is my challenge, right? So ask God the, the verse and just go through the whole verse. God, am I content? No. You keep adding more debt to your life because you want more things, and those things will never satisfy you. You might say that, right? And you're like, oh, that kind of hurts, but I know it's true. Or you might say, yes. You know, this week, instead of wanting more and more and more, you actually said thank you. Um, I have um, one, one of my family members. They're, they're, uh, they have a great practice. I think it's amazing. Now, when one of their, do- one of their kids gets upset, is going through something, they say, what are you grateful for, right? And then the, the girl, the, one of, the, one of their, their daughters, she'll still, whatever's going on, she'll say, I'm grateful for this. And they say, what else are you grateful for? And so, so this, this scenario, she was really upset because she had to leave our house because she wanted to play with her cousins, right? And so something happened, and she starts crying, and she, he, they say, what are you grateful for? And she says this. He said, what else are you grateful for? And she said, like, 
my parents, my cousins, right, that I ate today, that we ate tacos. And she just went through this list. And after about six questions of what are you grateful for, you know what she wasn't doing? She wasn't crying. She wasn't throwing a fit. She was smiling. She was laughing. Why? Because gratitude changes us, right? It's taking captive our thought and saying, that's probably not the best thought right now because we don't want to leave on a bad note when there's something good that can take place. I loved it. I thought it was pretty awesome. And it just shifted her mindset. So when you're asking God the question, essentially you're saying, God, what is my mindset around these things? Am I content? Or am I always wanting and, and searching for more? Am I working, working, working because I can't be satisfied with what I have? Are you my shepherd? Am I content? Do I have all that I need? Am I, am I at peace? Are you leading me beside streams? Or am I just going to the streams the world says are good? Am I just going to Instagram and Facebook and the news media? Or am I saying, God, am I going to you? Am I getting that? Is my soul restored? Maybe pause and ask, God, what is going on in my soul right now? And sometimes we're honest. The answer is, it's not good. You're overworking or you're underworking or you're, you're selfish or you're being mean or whatever. And if we'll pray the prayer, we'll say, God, work in my life. What are you trying to do? Eventually, you'll let God become the leader of your life because you're saying, help me to see what I don't see. And here's what you need to know about you. You might not see it, but everybody else sees it. They know it's wrong. They know it's not working. And if you'll be humble enough to say, can you give me some feedback? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Hard question to ask, but it's so beneficial. Because when they tell you and you do something about it, you become better. That relationship becomes better. And your life begins to work. So if you go through that whole psalm, right, and you just ask God the questions. I God, I'm in a dark season. What do you have to say to me in this season? Your rod and your staff are there to comfort me. I'm, I'm, you get the picture of what I'm saying, right? So you talk the questions, you talk it through. So that's my challenge this week. Go through Psalms 23 and just ask the question from God. God, I'm going to walk through this psalm very slowly, and I want to know what you think about this. And you get in the middle of something difficult, and you have a bad attitude about work or about marriage, about life, about finances, would you pause and say, God, here's what I'm thinking, but what are you thinking? And then believe and trust that he's going to lead you on this journey to be able to do that. All right? Awesome. Hey, today, as, as you're here, I want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody in this room, you know, he says all of us like sheep have gone astray. Maybe today you're off track. You're not on the well-worn path that God has for you. You're on some other path, and it's not leading anywhere good. But today you'd be willing to say, you know what? I want to repent. I'm going to stop going on that path, and God, I'm going to go on your path. God, I'm going to have a change of heart. I'm going to have a change of mind and begin to trust you. If you're here today and you want to maybe start that new journey, I want to give you an opportunity just by leading you in a prayer. It's a prayer of invitation of relationship to God. We're saying, God, would you be my shepherd? God, would you help me, right? You, you, I want your leadership in my life. I want to know where you want to lead me, where you want to take me. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you close your eyes and bow your head as we end our service today? And as you think through this, maybe right there in your seat, if, if you're at that point where you're ready to say, God, I, I want your leadership. Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. And I need your help. Forgive me for going the wrong way. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Just, just raise your hand up right here where you're at, where you're in your seat. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just where you're at, if that's you, you'd say, I'm on the wrong path. And today, God, I want to invite you to lead me back on the right path. All right, awesome. Looks like everybody's saying, God, we're following your lead. So here, for the rest of you, would you say this prayer with me? I'll lead you in a prayer. It's just God saying, God, I want to have that, that soul restoration in my life. I want to be able to, what the psalm says, have all those things. So say this today, if you're in this room, say this. Say, Father, I need your leadership. You know how weak I am. 
Lead me in a new way. Lead me into soul restoration. Lead me in such a way that those things that have tempted me will be far from me. Lead me away from storms and trials and threat of evil. Deliver me from the evil, from the enemy's every attempt to hinder my soul's restoration. Amen. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. God, it's so faithful. You're so faithful. You're so good. And so today, as we seek you as our shepherd, as our Lord, God, we pray that you would lead us, God, onto the right path, Lord God, the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That God, when it works out, we'd give you the glory. And when it works out, others would see it and they would look to you and give you the glory. So today, we invite you to work in our marriages, work in our parenting skills, work in our finances. God, work in our, our jobs and on the workplace. God, work on our attitudes. Work on every aspect of our life that we would turn our attention to you and say, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. And so today I just pray a blessing over all those that have come today that you would just help them, Lord God, to know you more and more. God, next service is those that watch online. I pray they would just turn their hearts to you and know you more and more. God, you're a faithful God. And we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.